Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. You're about to listen to a sermon on Revelation chapter 12, continuing our series on Revelation today. And today we are looking at the spiritual battle and we are looking at how there is a spiritual battle in the world, why there's so much evil, especially why there's so much evil directed against Christians. Just to remind you once again, there is more content available on YouTube. I've just finished a series on the Lord's Prayer, which you might be interested in. Also, this week, I have added another way to support Understand the Bible in a financial way. By request, I have added PayPal as well, a PayPal account, as I appreciate that Patreon or direct debit is not everyone's uh, ideal. Thanks so much, everyone, for supporting Understand the Bible. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoy the sermon, and I'll see you again next week. God bless. I know that one of the questions which people sometimes ask is why is there such evil in the world? There's such a lot of evil in the world. Um, But it's particularly if you think about the evil which is directed against Christians. So just to give one example that I've heard in the last, or just in the last couple of days, actually I saw yesterday that uh, Christians in Nigeria, more Christians are killed in Nigeria than are killed all over the world combined at the moment you know it's it's there's a phenomenal amount of persecution there's been thousands of christians who've been killed in nigeria mostly by or i think entirely by these sort of islamist kind of um, extremist um, muslims um now you think what why is that why is that the case why is that happening because it does seem like there's a it's just a constant battle isn't it you know that as christians we just can't seem to to live life in peace. I mean, even in this country, although, of course, you know, we don't face that, that level of persecution, nonetheless, it's not easy to be a Christian. And that's been the case through all of, uh, for centuries, isn't it? Um, we do seem to live in this kind of constant battle. And that is what Revelation is really helpful in, in opening up, in just explaining to us and interpreting, if you like, our experience, helping us to understand why things are the way that they are from a a sort of spiritual angle. And Revelation chapter 12, this is what commentators seem to agree is the the centrepiece of Revelation. You know, it comes roughly in the middle of the book. And um, it seems to be a sort of a a centrepiece. So, one thing that, uh, that we just need to, to understand before we begin, it's helpful, isn't it, sometimes to put things into context. And, you know, this, you might look at that and think, well, the woman, the dragon, um, that's a little bit strange, isn't it, rescuing the, the woman and so on. This was actually a story taken from a story which would have been familiar to the people who listened to it at the time that John was writing. There was a myth of... Um, uh, uh, Python, who was a sort of a great dragon, and a woman, one of the Roman goddesses, I believe, called uh, Leto. It was prophesied that one of her children would destroy the dragon, and lo and behold, I think it was Apollo who destroyed Python. And um, the reason why this is taken up is that was used by the emperor, by the Roman emperor Domitian, particularly, to be a kind of bit of imperial propaganda portraying himself as the Apollo who killed the dragon. And, uh, and so that's why I think it's just that little bit of background which helps us to understand why this story is as it is. 
So let's go through. Let's, let's first think then, who are these characters that we see? Who's the dragon? Well, the dragon, it, it explains who, who the dragon is. It says in verse, uh, verse 9, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient snake called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. So that's who the, the dragon is. That's fairly clear. The child, who is the male child? Uh, again, I think it must be fairly clear that um, it's talking about Jesus. As, it's, uh, as it says, it quotes in verse 5 from Psalm 2, uh, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And uh, we know that that is uh, referring to Jesus, but also later on in Revelation chapter 19, it also applies Psalm 2 to Jesus. Um, who's the woman? And I, I think this is the, perhaps the, the one which is, if you were just reading this, might be more difficult to actually understand who the woman is. But just think, who is, where did Jesus come from, if you like? Which people did Jesus come from? It was the people of, of Israel. It was the people of God, if you like. And I think that's what it is referring to. So if you look in the, um, Isaiah, for example, Isaiah chapter 26, verses 17 and 18. As a pregnant woman about to give birth writhes and cries out in her pain, so were we in your presence, Lord. We were with child, we writhed in labour, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth, and the people of the world have not come to life. There we go. So, talking about the people of, of Israel at the time. But really, I think we could just say that uh, the woman is just referring to the people of God. You know, of course, that was in the Old Testament. That was the people of Israel. But it's the people of, of God. And we have, remember, several times now we've seen the same number come up. Verse 6, it says 1,260 days. It's the same number again. And I hope that you, you know, been here a few times by now, you remember that that is just referring to the period of time till Jesus returns. It's just the, this period in between Jesus' first coming and his second coming and his return. It's, this, it's now, basically, that we're referring, referring to where we're all living. And we'll come back to that. So what happens then? What happens? Um, well, the, the child is, is snatched up to God, which I believe is referring to Jesus' ascension. After that, it says, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough. There's war in heaven, and uh, the dragon is not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven, and he was hurled down. I think it's important to remember, you know, he was not strong enough. Sometimes it's possible to uh, think about Satan, and, and certainly if you you know, read certain books or things, um, you can overdo it. Um, but actually, we need to remember he was not strong enough. I think that's a really important thing to remember whenever we're talking about Satan, whenever we're talking about the devil, he was not strong enough. And that whatever power he has, it is, you know, nothing compared to God. And it's, it's sort of like a, a dog on a leash, really, very much in, in um, like that. It's very limited, and, um, and it says he is the, the ancient snake, remember from the Garden of Eden, the ancient snake called the devil. 
or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He leads the whole world astray. That made me think of what Jesus says in uh, John, John's Gospel, chapter 8, uh, verse 44, when he says, uh, You belong to your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's what Satan is. That's what he does. He lies. He tries to, to deceive. He leads the world away from God, tries to deceive the whole world with a lie about God. That's what he does. He leads the world astray. And also, as it goes on to say in verse 10, he hears this voice. He says, now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God uh, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Satan, the accuser. That's actually what the word Satan means. It means the one who, who accuses. And that's what Satan does. He accuses. He points at, at us, points at people to God and says, do you see that person there? He or she, you've seen the bad things that they do. You see how much they deserve your punishment because of all the bad things they've done, all the sin that they've done. Do you see the way that they, they don't treat other people right? They don't love you and, and so on. That's what Satan does. He accuses. And that's why it says in verse 11, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. That's why that's where our triumph is. You think about those wonderful words in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Now, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And that, is, that takes Satan's power away. Because when he accuses, he shoots his arrows of accusation at us. They bounce off. They just fall to the ground because of Jesus' blood. Because no accusation of Satan against us anymore, those in Christ Jesus will land. Because we are covered in Jesus' blood. He has already paid. There's no condemnation left for us. It then goes on to say, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Uh, they did not love their life so much as to shrink from death. So they hold, held fast to Jesus and being a, a, the testimony you know, they testified about him, they testified, proclaimed the name of Jesus, held on to him even to the point, it says even to the point of death. And we know that through the world, and think of those Nigerian Christians as we saw, that's the thing that sometimes testifying to Jesus does mean facing death in this life. But that is how, that's the privilege that God gives to some of us, that actually it is about um, holding on to him and proclaiming that he is worthy and worth even losing our lives in this life. Uh, as Jesus said, you know, whoever loses his life uh, will save it. And, uh, and so then, verse 12, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and all who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. So Satan is now defeated, but he's not surrendered. It's like he's an, 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 an enemy who has uh, 
who has been defeated, he knows he's been defeated, but he hasn't surrendered yet. He hasn't acknowledged that he has been defeated. Do you know, on, um, I believe that this used to happen on death row. I'm not sure if this still happens. But um, on death row, when, a, when a, a prisoner would come onto death row, they would, I think, ring a bell or something, walking behind him and just shout out, dead man walking. And I, that's, that's the idea. I think that, you know, it's not, obviously someone comes onto death row is not, is not dead yet, but the sentence has been pronounced. And it's like that, you know, that Satan has been defeated, but he, it's not yet complete, if you like, yet. He's still flailing around in the last death rows before it is finally complete. We saw a picture of that last week. So let's briefly just uh, run through this final um, paragraph. Um, so he pursues the woman uh, who had given birth to the male child, but uh, she was given the wings of an eagle so she might fly to the place and prepare where she'd be taken care of for a time, times and half a time. The same time again. That's exactly the same time frame. So taken care of. I'm not sure if this is um, referring to you know, the sort of Old Testament people of God or actually talking about you know, the, just all of the people of God who've died, because they're safe, aren't they? When, when you die, you're safe with God. So I think that may be what it's referring to. Um, but then um, there's this sort of thing about the, uh, the snake spewing out this, this water, and the earth helps the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river. Do you remember last week we saw how about the earth was... As it says in, in the psalm, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You know, that the earth obeys God. You know, the earth is something which uh, is not neutral, but actually is something obedient to God. And then, uh, the result of all of this, Satan, he's enraged at the woman, but he then goes off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So in other words, he goes off to wage war against the church or against Christians, against God's people, against God's living people. So that, I think, explains what we started with, doesn't it? Let's just put it together. The reason it feels like we're in a war sometimes is because it is a war and that actually Satan is waging war against the church and that's important for us because it means that we need to recognize it's a war because if we don't recognize it's a war then we won't react appropriately you think about um you know the people of ukraine for example a few months ago back in february when um when russia invaded and uh, you know if if the people of ukraine had just gone on with their lives as if nothing had happened, then it would have been very quickly over, wouldn't it? You know, if they hadn't taken up arms, if they hadn't have, you know, manned the barricades and, and tried to defend themselves and so on, it would have been over. And if we don't recognise that we're in a war, we'll, we'll behave in the wrong way. We'll behave as if it's peacetime and we'll soon uh, be, be overrun. This is what uh, Paul says in Ephesians. Um, how is it that we can be in, in, uh, in war? How do we 
ready ourselves. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to, 7, uh, 10 to 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That is how we take up our arms against the devil, knowing that we're in this conflict, this battle. That's how we take up arms against the devil, is by arming ourselves with, with the word of God, with prayer, with righteousness. It's not a physical battle, obviously. It's a spiritual one, but it, it, it doesn't mean that it's any less real. That's the point of this. But we also need to remember that we're on the winning side. And that is something which comes over very clearly in Revelation, that the battle is not ours, but it's God's. You know, we just need to stand firm in his power. We don't need to win because the victory is his. We just need to stand firm in his power and remember that he has already won. And following on from that, we need to remember that we triumph through the cross. It's not something that uh, we need to, we don't need to triumph with worldly weapons. And sadly, you see that all too often, don't we? We think we need to be either political or we need to be, you know, if only we could just um, even have better arguments, you know, know how to be intellectually superior or something like that, all of those ways. But actually, as uh, Paul says, Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's how, that's the way of the cross, isn't it? We overcome Satan. We overcome evil in the world through good, not through meeting evil with, with evil. And the final thing is, and this is something I just wanted to, to mention briefly, because Revelation goes into this more as we go through the book, but he's just thinking about how we, we were thinking about the way that this was imperial propaganda, this story. And actually, we need to have, a, I think, a healthy scepticism about the earthly powers and remember that actually, whatever they may claim for themselves, only God is the one who is actually able to save and to defeat any powers of evil or powers of uh, chaos in the world. We must look to him and remember that there are just some things that only God can do and we only triumph through him, through trusting in him. Well, let's take a moment to pray as we close. And so, Heavenly Father, we pray that you would uh, help us to take this message to heart, uh, to remember the, the spiritual conflicts that we are engaged with, uh, but to trust, Lord, that you are able uh, and powerful to, to keep us 
and we need to stand firm in your mighty power. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given us the tools that we need uh, to stand firm. And we pray that as we read your word, as we come together as a church, as we pray, that you would enable us to stand in this conflict and to be victorious. And we thank you for the, the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for the way that uh, the, the accusations of the devil do not harm us anymore. And we pray that that message would um, go into us deeply, but also, Lord, would be around our town, around um, this landlord, and around the world, would be heard and believed by many, many people. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.